dropped points at home yet again, and this time it came in pretty ugly fashion. Hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Miami Total Football Radio. This week, we had said we would not do one after the midweek match, but given how that transpired and given all that went on, we decided to change course and bring you a bonus pod this week. And when I say we, that's because I have my co-host here, El Primo, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing on this fine Friday? Well, good, mate. Was a bit tired after such a late, late, late finish for us, considering they didn't re-kick off the game until 11.04 p.m., way past my bedtime. I'm usually in, tucked in at 9 o'clock in my Man United class of 92 pajamas, with, uh, you know, just think, just relaxing. But yeah, but there we were. But um yeah, a difficult, a difficult night. Not a great performance. Um, horrible weather. Just yeah, stunk all around really. But we move on, and we'll see what happens at the weekend. We will touch on that game against FC Cincinnati that's coming up because there's a lot of notable things about that game. But we're also going to dissect Wednesday's game, the two to zero loss to CF Montreal, and the ugly performance that was in it, as well as the weather delay and what we did during those two hours at Drive Pink Stadium. Of course, we're going to rush through this because it is Friday and I know you have things to do. I also have friends that are in from out of town who came to celebrate my birthday that also expect me to spend some time with them tonight. So we'll save all the normal intro, follow us on social media stuff, and let's get to it. Okay, Steve, so as I mentioned Shortly ago, Inter-Miami suffered a 2-0 home loss at Drive Pink Stadium to CF Montreal on Wednesday night in a game that had a two-hour weather delay because of lightning in and around the area. This was Inter-Miami's starting lineup for the match. It was John McCarthy in goal, Victor Ulloa at right back, Ryan Shawcross at right center back, Leandro Gonzalez-Pires at left center back, Breck Shea at left back, Gregori as the defensive midfielder, Blaise Matuidi as the central midfielder, a little bit more advanced than him, Lewis Morgan on his usual right midfield spot, Jay Chapman at the 10, Rodolfo Pizarro on the left wing, and Gonzalo Higuain, who wore the captain's armband, up top. Now, Inter-Miami went down early in this game. It only took 14 minutes for Bjorn Johnson to open the scoring, and then he doubled the lead with another goal 11 minutes after that. So, 25 minutes in... Inter-Miami was down 2-0, and they never really got back into it in that first half. It was a pretty poor, pretty disastrous first half from a performance standpoint. Second half, things improved, but still not enough, nowhere near the level that it needed to be at. Inter-Miami didn't even get a shot on goal in that second half. So, Steve, what went wrong in this game? What, yeah. what, what, what happened here? They didn't play very well, and they had a bad start. Uh, you know, defensively, they had shored up in recent weeks. But, yeah, they were just kind of off the pace. Two two actually good finishes um, and two good team goals. And I think we should make the point that, you know, Montreal were, were decent. They're a young side. They moved the ball nicely. They were just better in all, all departments, really. Johnson, Johnson, Bjorn Johnson took his goals, both goals, really well. And it was just the same old thing. We, just, we were repeating ourselves the whole time. None of the DPs played well. Unfortunately, the defence sort of creaked a bit and they weren't creating anything in midfield. And that was it. It was just, yeah, it, it was as you loved hearing the word unacceptable. And then Phil Neville said it many times. And it, yeah, it, it was just because they just they just weren't at it. I, I thought they were slightly better 
after the after the rain delay, and they you know they kind of looked a bit livelier. Um, but it was the same old problems: the Gonzalo Higuain dropping back too much to get the ball, and then no one else getting on the ball. Matuidi looking like his legs have gone, and Bizarro sort of you know flattering to deceive, so to speak. So uh, just just a just a bad night in the office, and just kind of. You know, it's easy to, to, to forget that this is a team last year that also these are exactly very, very similar performances. I know some of the personnel has changed a little bit, but, you know, this is still a team in transition. They're trying to build a team. They're now having to, they ripped it up after the first year and are starting again. So and I think you're just seeing, you're seeing something like that, you know? Look, I agree that the second half was better. But the game was already far out of reach. So oh yeah, no, the game was already gone. I mean, not, not, not I won't say it's gone. It was just far out of reach. So Montreal yeah. could change the approach and protect its two to zero lead, which allowed Inter Miami to have more of the ball. They ended up winning possession for the first time in a game this season in this one. But Montreal was already up two zero, so they could concede possession and just throw numbers back, which is what they did. Now, for me, the performance from back to front. Midfield coaching the whole the whole thing was just poor, disastrous, awful, and it came in a game where Inter Miami had as many fans as it's ever had at Drive Pink Stadium, so not a great showing, especially when you when you're playing in front of a lot of people that are seeing you up close and personal for the first time, and they couldn't build out, they couldn't create almost anything from the run of play. They finished with one shot on goal, and that was a Brexche shot. From distance, a good shot from Brexhay in the first half, but that was the only shot they put on frame. Defensively, they were very poor. A lot of sloppy turnovers, a lot of unnecessary errant passes. It's just a ba- like bad performance overall. I don't, you know, I, I look, I watched the game back, and I think Brexhay was maybe the only player in that first half that saves himself. Everybody else was very poor. Maybe Victor Ulloa slightly, although I know people have been critical of him. And, you know, not being able to cover the space in behind. and But if he's being asked to push up, you know, that's what the center backs are for. And the center backs, both of them had a nightmare. I think this was Leandro Gonzalez Pires' worst game in an Inter-Miami jersey. And I, I, I'm someone that rates Leandro Gonzalez Pires. I think he is a very good center back in MLS. And I think he, you know, he was just nowhere near his level in this one. He was involved in both the goals. The second one, he initiates the sequence for CF Montreal with a terrible, terrible pass out wide. So, you know, John McCarthy also didn't cover himself in glory on the first goal. You've you've touched on the attack. Blaise Matuidi, again, for me, just the marking, just very poor. He's also, he, like, fails to pick up Georgie Mihalovic on the opening goal. It's, it's, it's the same stuff we've talked about. Yeah, uh, you know, same. Except, this, same. except this time, the defense wasn't there to save the day like it has been in in other matches or like it's been able to keep the games tight. And, and, you know, allow Inter Miami to be in them. So this time the defense broke, didn't just bend, it broke. And, you know, Inter Miami was never able to get back into it. But this, no, but no. You, said, you said this is a team in transition. Sure, this is a team that was largely built it last year. And it's going to take time to add and move pieces that Phil Neville and Chris Henderson probably want. But they've still said coming into the season that they wanted to be a team that finished in the top three in the Eastern Conference, that they want to fight for, they want to be a contender, essentially. So we can't judge them off of only the fact that they're transitioning because they still are out here publicly saying that they want to be one of the best teams in the league. So is this team, does this team have in them to turn this around? What are your thoughts? 
I mean, it's. I mean, you on the face of it, you'd look at it and the opening sort of five performances and say that would they finish in the top three? I mean, it'd be a big achievement if they they could do that. Right now, it doesn't doesn't look like it. Um, you know, we're going to get we're going to get a new goalkeeper on. We? We're going to get another fullback uh, coming, but I, I really think they need to try and bring something in the in the midfield or in attack, something something fresh and, and different because that's 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 where the problem is. Really, I'm not too worried about the the defence. It's it's just are they going to score enough goals? And um, right now, it just doesn't it doesn't look like it. And we need those 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 star players. That f- Gonzalo Higuain, we found out earns how much a year? Six million dollars a year. Um, yeah, he could do with start earning some of that, and as well, you know, Matuidi was on a, on a good whack. They're all on good. They're all on good money, uh, but that's obviously money's you know not the be all end all of it. But you know, they need to start start producing. So off, off the basis of these first five performances, I said no, they probably wouldn't finish in the top three. But it's only five games gone. So there is time, obviously, to correct things and to improve and get better. Now that being said, that being said. In order for more pieces to be brought in, pieces are going to have to go. And if you want big impact players to come in, you're probably going to have to figure out what to do with the big winning players you have on the roster right now. Now, look, again, for me, the three designated players have not been playing well for some time. They have had their moments here and there, like Gonzalo Higuain in the first two games, but by and large, they, they have not played well for a while. Dating back to last year, they have their flaws that are standing out tremendously right now, and things just don't seem to be clicking with them. So I asked Phil Neville after the game about why that is. Why are the DPs not performing to their level, to the level that their resumes say they should be at? And this was his response. Uh, I, I think, Franco, I think, I think it's... it's uh, I think in football you need... 11 players 12 players now well it's now it's it's more it's five subs it's now 16 players to contribute to make the individuals play really well and i said it in the team talk on sunday before atlanta that for individuals like gonzalo like pizarro like you know our our special players for them to you know to get the golden boot to become mls player of the year or whatever that whatever the accolades that come their way you can't do that on your own. I think I think we've seen that in I've seen that in the last thirty years of football that without without their work ethic, without the togetherness, without their team ethos, individuals, uh, you know, don't individually do well on their own. So uh, I think we just need to keep working at making sure that we give the the the, the better platform for Gonzalo and for Rodolfo uh, to to keep doing what they do really really well, and uh, we've shown signs of that this season. Uh, from 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 them both, and, uh, and and we'll continue to make sure that we give them the support, and and they know what they have to do. You know, they're they're top professionals. They've been in the game a long time, Gonzalo especially in Blaze, and and they know the expectation that's on every DP player in this league and in this club. You've got to deliver, and and that's why they're DP players. I know we banter about here on on the show, and we and we do make jokes, but I want to take this as seriously as possible. When you hear that quote from him. And he says that you need togetherness and team ethos and that individuals cannot do it individually on their own. Is that concerning to you? To me, that was very concerning that he's, he's practically saying we have a team of individuals, a collection of individuals. And that's what I wrote no, I in my post-game I piece. Was, I don't think he, was, he wasn't saying that at all. He was, just, he was just making the point that in order for the, 
for the top, the, the supposedly star players to sort of function at their uber high level that, that, that we're accustomed or should expect to see from them. You need all the other parts of the team functioning as well. You need the workhorse defenders and, and everyone. It's like a machine, isn't it? Just like, not going to keep going on about it, but those teams he played with at Manchester United, yeah, they had star guys, Skulls, Beckham, Giggs and stuff, but then they had players like Phil Neville, Yapstam, Roy Keane, you know, guys that did the donkey work. Every It's a team It's a team effort. Someone like Messi can just pick up the ball and pretty much do it on his own, but he's an anomaly. Him and Ronaldo, the rest of these guys, they need to be in a functioning team. The team is not functioning well. I don't think he meant they were playing in, 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 as individuals. He just meant that the, in order for them to succeed, the, the whole team has to, to start playing well or playing better, and they're not doing that right now. So that wasn't my interpretation of it. I mean, you know, that could be what what he was saying. I didn't interpret it that way because my question was directly about the DPs. And it's not like Blaise Matuidi is an attacking player, so he's part of the the process of building up and getting the ball to the attacking players. But look, I wrote in my piece, my anal- analysis piece on SBI Soccer on Thursday that this is a collection of individuals. That's how I see it. I don't see this team as a unified group that plays for one another, that clicks and fires on all cylinders. Well, yeah, that's it. it's, it's, like he said, it's, it's, not, it's not working. Yeah, it's not working. But I don't necessarily think he was accusing them of being team individuals, individuals but anyway. I mean, I would, I would, I mean, if, let's say that, let's go with him saying, or the interpretation being with what, what, how you interpreted it. Well, it's accusing, he's accusing not everyone of pulling their weight. That, that's, I think that's what he's saying. Or so the DPs are not performing because others aren't pulling their weight? I think he meant that you can't expect them to be successful in a team that isn't playing particularly well right now. But then he also did say that they know what the, the expectations are on them, but they can't do it alone. They need the team to be functioning, and right now it's not. Again, I will. Let's go. Let's go with that. Let's say that that's the interpretation, which I don't agree with. But let's let's just say that that that's the case. I still do not see this team as a team, as a true team, as a real team. I see this as a collection of individuals, a ragtag bunch of players that have just been put together. Because there are teams, and you see this across all sports, that on paper are not that attractive, appealing, no big names or very few big names, and they punch above their weight. They are better than the sum of their parts. Inter-Miami is the complete opposite because on paper, this starting lineup should be better than it is. It should be in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. This is, and this news came out on Thursday, the timing was just, couldn't probably have been worse for Inter-Miami because the MLS Players Association released the salaries for the team, for all the teams in the league on Thursday, the day after this defeat. And Inter-Miami is the team with the highest payroll, the highest payroll. So, this team should be, in theory, near the top of the table and competing up there as opposed to getting completely p- played off the pitch in the first half of a home loss to CF Montreal, which has spent a fraction of what they've spent. So, to me, this group, I don't know how Phil Neville can figure that out. I don't know how he goes about it. But this group needs to, has deep-rooted issues that need to be solved. You need to get this team really buying in and believing that the message that this is a, a collective effort and that everyone needs to sacrifice and put in the work for one another and not defer to other people to make plays happen and not 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 give maximum effort because we've seen it with Gonzalo Higuain we've seen it with Rodolfo Pizarro Pizarro's been a wall for much of the last I don't know how many games dating back to last year Gonzalo Higuain he yes we, we you have to give him 
the benefit of the doubt in saying that he doesn't get a lot of touches because the ball doesn't get to him. But he also, you don't see him press or you see him walk about the field often. You see him complaining. You don't, I don't see a team out there. I just see individual pieces out there that, that are trying at times, but it's just, it's just not working. It's just not working. And look, this is not something that I have only said. Will Trapp, when I spoke to him back in the winter when he signed with Minnesota, he said, and I asked him what, what, what he attributed last year's struggles to, he said this is, it was a collection of individuals. So Will Trapp has that thought. AJ De La Garza, after the playoff loss, kind of alluded to it saying, you know, we have guys that don't speak English, we have guys that don't speak Spanish, and they just they're just never on the same page. Now he now he attributed to the language barrier, but it's just not about language also, because there's teams all over the world that have players that don't speak the same language. This team is not a team, in my opinion. And I don't know how you fix that. I don't know. I'm not a coach, so I don't know how Phil Neville can go about drilling it into the heads of veteran players, like, hey, you need to sacrifice, hey, you need to make those thankless runs in behind and you know if you get one out of five good for you like I I don't know I don't know how he goes about fixing it because that's to me that that is uh, a big concern yeah but that's 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 where the coach comes in now isn't it you know you can't we keep saying we can't just go out into the transfer market and start splurging around he's he's pretty much got to deal with what he what he's got there and this is where he becomes the coach to try and do it but it's it's difficult it's difficult when most of the players haven't been signed by him he's trying to put square holes into square pegs into round holes or whatever um it's tough I mean, i'm just you know if any, anyone can look at the um you know the, the salaries it's really interesting you know rodolfo Pizarro three three million a year uh yeah Higuain 5.1 million and, and matuidi 1.5 million three million a year Pizarro. that's a lot it's a lot i mean for all and, three of them for all three of them it's a lot of money that's a, and you need them to perform. In MLS, you need your DPs to perform. And none of them performed on Wednesday, and they have regularly been underperforming. Regularly. And, so, then, and then Matthias Pellegrini, who now we believe is going back to Argentina, 825000 a year. So, so well, Look at Julian Carranza. I, I imagine you have the numbers in front of you. What is Julian Carranza yeah. making? 750000 750000 on him, and, and Pellegrini is making eight hundred. Plus thousand. It's Figal six hundred thousand. Well, Figal, Figal's a starter on this team, and Gonzalez yeah, I mean, and Gonzalez Pete is a starter on this team. That's so. fine. Yeah, but Carranza and Pellegrini are making one point five million more or less, and they barely see the field for this team. And they were initial. They were the first two signings from this club. Yes, this roster was probably poorly assembled initially, and that is still impacting the performances now. But you still, this team still needs to be better than it is, given what it has at its disposal. And if it doesn't, then changes need to be made in the lineup. Changes need to be made and to reflect that. Bench yes. Pizarro, bench Matuidi. I said that after the game in my in my Miami Total Football analysis video that's out on YouTube. Bench them. It's time to get, for them to get benched. Gonzalo Wayne, I don't think you can bench him because I think the drop off from him to to Carranza or whoever's next next man up. Will probably be too great. And again, I think Iguain, if he gets service, if he gets balls and touches in the box, he can finish those. I think he will. But Pizarro and Matuidi, I, I don't see it with them. And right now, I think you need to bench them. Maybe that lights a fire under them. Maybe that that wakes them up, gives them a wake up call. But right now, it's it's, it's just not working with them. Um, just with Pellegrini, we know that he. They said that he's going to back on loan for free. Does, so does that mean that Inter Miami is still paying his eight hundred twenty five thousand a year salary? Yes. Well, so it's only been reported. We don't know for sure that he's going back to yeah, Estudiantes, but but it has been reported in Argentina that 
there is a loan deal in the works for him to return to Estudiantes, which is where he came from, and it would be a loan deal with no fee. So if Miami gets nothing in return for the loan fee, yes, they would add, they would pay. Based on my understanding, they would pay. They would still continue to pay him his contract and his salary. So he he would be off the MLS roster in terms of being off the books. But I mean, they, he's still contractually being paid by the team. Now, quickly, that's a massive. I mean, that that was a massive mistake, wasn't it? And it's easy to say here as, as an after timer in, in retrospect, but that, that that is a costly deal for them, big time, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and so is Carranza's because Carranza's barely seen the field. Phil Neville said today that he expects Carranza to see the field in the coming weeks. Now that he's passed his his case of vertigo, but even still, I don't think that that Carranza is necessarily someone that Phil Neville rates or wants. He didn't bring him in, so. But anyway, let, let's move on quickly because there was a, there were other talking points in this match, and there was a weather delay that took two hours. Because of lightning in the area, there was pouring down rain. Um, what what did you do during those two, two hours? Because as soon as the delay happened, I, I left the press box and I went to go get footage of the fans doing their thing. Which, by the way, La Familia was, maybe aside from Jovan Jones and maybe Breck Shea, you can make a case for Breck Shea. They were the only ones that really saved face and showed face on Wednesday night. Because they made their presence felt in the stadium. They sang and chanted under the the bleachers when they had to evacuate the bleachers and I got I got video of it it was impressive incredible energy fantastic if Inter Miami could play with that type of energy and that type of passion I think Inter Miami would be near the near the top of the Eastern Conference because that 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 was impressive um, but that's what I did for mostly for much of two hours ran into some old friends and um, people that I, I haven't seen in years but I don't know how did you spend those two hours of the rain delay uh, walking around, uh, we spoke to Darren Powell. We saw who popped who popped outside the uh, the press room. Is a nice guy, the USL the USL uh, coach. Um, wrote a little bit of my story. Wanted to maybe have a, a soothe cold beverage with you uh, just at <laughs> a time, but you said no. We're professionals. We shouldn't, so we didn't. And I just drank loads of water instead. And then we jumped on the Twitter Spaces and did a little bit of a an update, which was quite cool, wasn't it? We we tried. I had some technical difficulties, but yes. look, while, while we were enjoying those or trying to enjoy as, as much of those two hours as possible, I don't think I Inter Miami. Uh, I didn't enjoy those two hours whatsoever. I mean, I, I didn't want to be there coming home at one thirty a.m. But anyway, you're gone. Hey, look, I got to celebrate my birthday at twelve o'clock midnight next to you, and you were the first person to tell me happy oh birthday my God. at twelve you, at twelve midnight. Well, it doesn't really count because you weren't born at midnight on the 13th. That's, that's, not, that's not how it works. Your birthday is your birthday. It's not your birth time. It's your birthday. It's, uh, not, it's, not, like, it's not like, oh, well, I was born at uh, 11, not, not in my book. But we, we're, <laughs> so, also a house, we're also a household that has a half birthday for my daughter. So um, <laughs> so you have half birthdays, but you don't believe in, well, she, in well, you midnight. Do for, her, yeah, for Alexa, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, oh, your daughter's name's Alexa. Okay. My cousin's name's Alexa. Anyway, so while you were not enjoying those two hours I was enjoying well, I've never experienced I mean, maybe that it's more of a, a thing or definitely a South Florida thing I, I know I've, I've covered so many games over the last 20 years I don't think I've ever ever really had that at all so there you go the first <laughs> well while you were doing your thing and I was taking in the sights and scenes and I was enjoying the two hour delay Inter Miami probably was not because let's listen to what Victor Uyo has said when I asked him about the locker room during that delay. 
during the break it was uh very emotional obviously we were very disappointed we were down 2-0 and uh we were just waiting it was a long long waiting period so guys got to calm down a little bit and and get our senses and get thoughts and and prepare our second half primo victor yoa alluded to some choice words being exchanged and i asked john mccarthy today about it and he said pretty bluntly we are pissed so that locker room I can imagine I would love to have been a fly on the wall because I'm sure people, whether it was coaching staff or players, I haven't gotten any information on who said what or what was said, but I can imagine there were some heated exchanges in there. You would have thought definitely. I mean, they were were struggling so badly, but, you know, the game wasn't completely up, although they were playing horribly, you know, we still had a chance to get back into it. But yeah, definitely, you know, it's a home truth. And even Phil Neville said, we spoke to him today, Friday about it. And, you know, he, he, he felt that, it, that wasn't a time to go mad. It was time just to be controlled and they have heart to hearts and they, they, they talk to each other, but maybe in a more controlled manner, manner rather than just raging around. But yeah, I mean, they, they, and they made those tactical changes and sorted out. But he also interestingly said in, in the press conference today, that this is a completely new experience. Then we don't really have this in Europe where, you know, you have these breaks. Um, so it taught him how to deal with it. It's hard. They're all stuck in the, in the locker room. They're losing, um, they don't know what's happening. It's it was a long time. It's a long mm-hmm. break. It's over two and a half hours. So um, yeah, and, and you that was a so that was a new thing for him to deal with too. He did not give them the hair dryer treatment as you asked him as you had asked them today, um, which I love that metaphor. Love that metaphor. Uh, quickly, just to wrap up this segment, let's talk about the second half performance. Let's just touch on it. Inter Miami was much improved. Now they started the second half bringing on Federico Iguain, which I thought was needed. They put him at the 10 for Jay Chapman and left Pizarro out there on the left wing. That lasted two minutes before the, the lightning delay. Two hours passed, and then he came out, and when I say he, Phil Neville came out with the tradi- the very old school WM formation. And if you're not familiar with what the WM formation is, it's a 3 2 2 3 Otherwise known as a 3-4-3 with the midfield being a boxed midfield. So you had Victor Ulloa, Ryan Shawcross, and Leandro gonzalez Pires as the three center backs. Gregorio Matuidi in front of them as the two holding midfielders. In front of them in central positions as joint number 10s were Rodolfo Pizarro and Federico Higuain. And then up top you had a line of three with Brecce on the left, Luis Morgan on the right, and Gonzalo Higuain up top. The look helped them win back more of the ball. And they had some good moments, especially once Jovan Jones came into the game to replace Breck Shea. He started dribbling by, hit the, his mark on the right or on the left flank, sorry, and created some some things and made his presence felt and, and showed um, some personality there. But they still didn't get a shot on target, and they end up losing via shutout. They have now dropped eight points of a possible nine at home. That's not a good thing. And that needs to be turned around as well because you have to win your games at home unless you're going to be some road warriors that just continuously win uh, away from from your market. Yeah, no, they, they the home the home form should be you know should be much much better. Um, but you know Federico Aguin came on. I thought he, he did okay. He looked pretty lively. I spoke to someone that, that knows him very well recently, and uh, you know they they felt that he he's definitely fit enough to start. To start games, and I was quite surprised he didn't really start, you know, on, on Wednesday night. Um, so maybe, you know, that, that could be a move. He just gives me more than, than Pizarro is offering right now, and I, I like it when he's when he's on the pitch and he seems to have a nice sort of synchronicity with his brother. So um, yeah, that was the kind of one 
bright spark if there was a bright spark which is yeah i thought he, he played okay but other than that the game was yeah it was it petered out badly didn't it? and then they never looked like scoring no and and look I, I thought this was actually his worst performance of the ones he's had so far off the bench a lot of sloppy passes missed the yeah. one shot he could have had but i do think he he does bring added element to that the team is missing and i think we do need to see that sooner rather than later in a starting role but let's leave it there we'll end this segment and come back after this quick break to talk about the upcoming match against fc cincinnati i think we all have to look in, in the mirror and we all know what we can improve on and give more and we know that we if it's fitness that we need then we need to get fitter if it's tactical that we need we need to to ask the coach about where he wants his position wise and i think everybody is going to have a, a day a day to think about that and and get ready to get going again against cincinnati is going to be an important match for us Okay, Steve, so Inter-Miami has to quickly change gears, has to put that in that de- recent defeat in the rearview mirror. They have a game this weekend against FC Cincinnati, a team that is not very good, has not been very good since its introduction into MLS. It has not picked up any victory so far this year. They have had a week and a half off. They didn't play last weekend, so they they will be well rested. Where as Inter Miami will not be, but FC Cincinnati again is a pretty poor team. They've lost their last two matches by a combined score of eight to zero, a three zero defeat and a five zero defeat. Inter Miami on paper, and I know again we're talking on paper, should go in there and beat FC Cincinnati because they are more talented and have more quality in their side. However. Has to be noted, FC Cincinnati is opening up a brand new stadium. TQL Stadium will open its doors on Sunday for this Sunday matchup. Only 6,000 fans will be permitted into the venue because of COVID restrictions there. But the energy should still be rocking because it's a stadium opener. It's a gorgeous stadium from the pictures I've seen. What do you expect from this match, Steve Brenner? Well, I mean, it's going to be their it's going to be their first game, isn't it, at home? So they've you know they've been on the road. Uh, Jeff Cameron, Stoke legend, uh, has also has also joined joined there. Phil Neville talked today about his friendship with Yap Stam. You know they played together at Manchester United, so that's that's got like a nice little sort of back backstory to it. But um, yeah, I mean that they haven't been informed. But then you know Montreal hadn't been informed, had they? You know last last Wednesday, and they actually played them off the park and looked looked like a great team. So um, you know I think. They'll look at it and think that Cincinnati are probably, you know, low, low on confidence right now. They haven't really been scoring too many goals, letting a lot in. Um, yeah, they've been pretty shaky. I mean, you got only one point from five is, is, you know, is not not a great start, isn't it? Allah, what happened to Inter Miami last season? So um, they've got to, they've got to go there and, and, and have a go and, and don't be afraid of them. They also have a player named Brenner, which is your, your favorite player in MLS. Oh yes, what a player! <laughs> Good man, uh, uh, legendary name. Um, so again, they're coming off back-to-back losses. They haven't scored in their last two matches. Last time we said that ahead of the Montreal game, Montreal ended up scoring two. So look for me. I think Inter Miami is going to make some changes here. I think Phil Neville alluded to that, and he said it's not because of a knee-jerk reaction. It's not because of anything necessarily tactical. It's just more along the lines. Again, his words with this just being the third game in a week, third game in eight days. So just managing minutes and, and trying to get some fresh legs on there. What changes in the lineup do you think we could see? Because I think we will see 
Julian Carranza start in this game. I think, you know, he said Phil Neville said today, Carranza's healthy, he's over his, his case of vertigo, and he expects him to play a role in the next few weeks. I expect him to start for Gonzalo Higuain in this one. Just to give Gonzalo Higuain a break, he's played 180 minutes in the last two games, has gone from start to finish. So I think we'll see Carranza from the start. I think we could see Christian McCoon for Ryan Shawcross. I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see that on Wednesday, but I think we might see that as well. This weekend, what what changes do you think we could see? I don't think he's going to drop Gonzalo Higuain, is he? I mean, that's, that's, just, what, that's, just, that's just what I think. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I'd be surprised. He did big up Carranza, didn't he? He said he's been tra- he, he said he trained on Friday amazingly. So, um, um, although it's, you know, so that that was a uh, that was an interesting little snippet. He clearly, clearly likes him. It gives him something di- different, a different option. Um, I, I don't think he's going to drop Iguain. Maybe he'll he'll play Carranza just sort of off Iguain or, or something like that. You know, he does he does mix it up, doesn't he? He does change his tactics around. So I don't think he's necessarily set in one way. And like he's admitted last week that, you know, he's he's having to adapt now his philosophy on how he wants them to play. So he could change it up. I just, I, I think Pizarro has to has to come out really. And and, and I'd like little, little bigger Iguain to come in. Federico, I think he should start. Yeah, I would like to see Federico Iguain get a start as well. I think we could potentially see that. Uh, because again, the, the Jay Chapman at 10 or Pizarro at 10 is just not working. So I think we could see Federico come, come in. I think those maybe are the three, for me, for me, my opinion, those are the three likely changes we could see or the most likely changes. Federico Higuain coming in, Christian McCoon coming in, and Julian Carranza coming in. But again, that's just my opinion. That's not information that I've heard or anything that someone has told me. It's just what, what I think. Um, so for Inter-Miami, coming off this bitter defeat... What are the keys to the game against an FC Cincinnati team that will probably be amped up because of the, the fans and the stadium opening, but who are a poor team just based off results, based off recent history? What does Inter Miami need to do to go into Cincinnati and take all three points? What are, what's play, the key to the game? They need to play. They just need to start creating. Just create chances. I think if you can get a, get a, get an early goal and get a foothold in the game, then I think it just settles everyone down, doesn't it? I, I, I'm not. I know the defense had a bit of a dodgy, you know, first half the other night, but I, I'm not too worried about that. It's just I'm just creating goals, you know. And it, even the game against Nashville, remember when Jay, Jay Chapman had that chance, a good save, and then I can't, there was another good chance, wasn't there? It just needs to, to to be more decisive in that in that final third, and just yeah, just if they can get ahead, then I, you know, then then they can try and close close the game out a bit, and you know, obviously then it. You know, worrying again about the defensive problems, but I just think, if anything, I think the the lack of goals is more of a worry than than maybe conceding them right now. So your key to the game is scoring early. Yeah, I think I think yeah, start positively, score early, and then just take a foothold in the game, and then let Cincinnati, who are low on confidence, low on goals, then make them have a, have a go at into Miami and see, and see where they're at. I think that's that's the position he'd want to find himself in. Doesn't want to be hanging on with ten minutes to go. Then then anything can happen. Like there's only going to be six thousand in the in the in the crowd. It looks like it holds around sort of twenty. Um, but yeah, if they could just keep them quiet, and obviously there's going to be excitement about the stadium, etc. But they could just dampen everything down and get an early goal. I think that'd be great. Steve, you know I like you, but I love how different we view the game. At times, because my key to the game is getting back to being as defensively solid as they were prior to this Montreal game, or by and large prior to this Montreal game, because we've we know, we've documented and talked about the issues in the attack and the build out, not able to really link up and have 
good attacking sequences. We saw that in this last game against Montreal, and I touched on that in my analysis piece. You had you saw Montreal send nine players, maybe ten even at times, into Inter-Miami's half to press them and not let them play out during that first half. So there are limitations to Inter-Miami's attack. Would an early goal help? Absolutely, absolutely. But I don't think that this attack is going to be able to generate that unless they get it off a set piece. For me, the key to the game is being defensively solid as they were because that will keep them in the game. That will allow them to pluck one at some point, be it off of a corner kick, be it off of you know an individual moment of brilliance, or be it through some good soccer, which, again, they only have in certain moments or very few and far between. But I think you got to keep this game tight because if if you score an early goal but you you know obviously you give up two then I think it's going to be tough for Inter Miami to to get back into it given the issues they have in the attack so I think it's defense first here I think it's what Phil Neville said a little bit today is you know the 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 focus and the the mentality has to be has to be there and has to get back to where it was and they had to get back to basics a little bit so I think defense first is the key for Inter Miami which so it might seem counterintuitive because they're playing Cincinnati, a team that hasn't scored in the last two games, a team that has struggled. But given all the context of what's going on and Inter Miami's own issues and what's going to take place on Sunday in terms of the atmosphere, I think you got to be defensively sound first. That's just my opinion. Steve Brenner, primo, give me a prediction for Sunday. Does Inter Miami bounce back with a victory, or will be will we be ruining another poor performance or another poor result? No, I'm going to keep the faith. I think um, a two-one win. Two-one win. Okay. By the way, I'm going to tally. I'm going to go through all the pods where we've done our, our game predictions, and I'm going to tally what each of us have said. So at the end of the, at the end of the season, we'll say, "Hey, look, this is the record we thought they would have based on our predictions, and this is the record they actually have." Did I get one right? I got one right the other week, didn't I? I I only remember that I got the one-one tie with Atlanta United. Correct. Oh, that, that, you did get it right, but you 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 got a two-two score. Um, but no, you got it right. Hey, look, okay. I, you got you got the result correct. But look, you know, I, I'm going to say that because I think at the end of the season, when we look at your predictions, I think you might have the team going like 30 wins and, and four draws because you always pick a win. But look, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> look, I, yeah. um, I will say Inter Miami wins this one. I say as much as as much excitement, as much energy as there will be in that stadium on Sunday because of everything we've just mentioned. I still think on paper, and yes, on paper does not mean a whole lot, but on paper, Inter-Miami is a much better team. And I think the individual qualities will eventually come out in this game and will help make the difference versus Cincinnati team that is not very good. I don't think with anything, all the stuff going on, I don't think even that will help Cincinnati be able to win this game. Could another team, maybe if it was a different team, maybe I would change my, my prediction, but I think Inter-Miami wins this one. I think Inter Miami wins this one, three to one, three to one. I think they, they'll score three goals, and I think they'll 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 gain some confidence with with a victory. Hope so. But that that does it for this segment. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back for the Q and A session after this.
Okay, guys, it's Q&A time. And unfortunately, El Primo has had to leave us today on the pod. He had to go run. So it's just going to be me here on this Q&A session. First time that's ever happened. Let's see how it goes. So let's get right into it. The first one comes from Broski Ciderworks. It says, cheers from your South Florida cidery. Question, what's stopping Federico Iguain from a starting role? Also, thoughts on starting him instead of Pizarro. So we asked Phil Neville about this. I believe it was last week. And Phil Neville said he had contemplated starting Federico Iguain at that point, but that he liked him coming into games in the second half when games tend to open up, when they're a little bit more stretched. But I think that at that point, at this point, it's going to be reconsidered because the team is just not working well in the build-out. It needs a little more creativity. Maybe, maybe Federico is not 90 minutes fit, which is something else Phil Neville touched on. But I think at this point, you have to probably give him a look in a starting role. Maybe if he only lasts 60 minutes, and so be it. You take him off and you replace him with somebody else. But maybe that helps the function of the team. I think it's something that sh- should have happened Wednesday. And I think it's something that should happen on Sunday against Cincinnati. Whether he starts ahead of Pizarro or not, I mean, that's just a judgment call. I would not take out Pizarro out of the lineup. I think if you pair him with someone that's a little more technical, maybe you see him combine a bit more. Maybe you see him find the rhythm of the game and and influence the game and leave his stamp on the game. So I wouldn't take out Pizarro. I would take out someone like Jay Chapman or Blaze Matuidi, who, again, I think is the number one candidate that should be benched just because I don't see enough from him in the center of the park, especially defensively. He's a liability. That first Montreal goal is partially on him. If you look at it, he just loses Georgi Mihailovic after having him near him, and it it's what starts the breakdown on that goal. Next question comes from Via. LGP looks slow and not himself. Reports had him as a last-minute medically cleared. Why not sub him out? Is he fully fit for Sunday? So I haven't heard that. I haven't seen that. Um, I'm curious where, where that came from. I don't recall seeing or hearing any of that in in the postgame or in the pregame. Now, now I've been you know diving nose first into the match and really dissecting it and been working hard over the last 48 hours and also went out to dinner for my birthday on Thursday night. So maybe I missed it, something there, but I haven't seen that yet. I agree he did not look his usual solid self back there he had his worst game in my opinion in an inter miami jersey and you need him to to raise his level and get back to where he was because or where he normally is because tuesday was awful awful next question comes from dale rosado positive looks with the 3-4-3 at the end of the game do you think this could be the way to go moving forward and two if we lose versus cincinnati how does our season's outlook change is it the players or the staff the lack of preparation this preseason the injuries So touching on that first question, the WM formation, the 3-4-3, boxed midfield, I don't think that that's a formation that they would use from the start of games. I think that's something they'll have in their repertoire for when circumstances call for it, but I don't think that that is going to be the way going forward from the start. I agree that they improved from the run of play in it, but again, context of the match needs to be taken into consideration. Montreal was up. 2-0, 2-0, it needed to just protect its lead at that point. Conceded possession to Inter-Miami and was just happy to hit in transition and they created some dangerous looks off of their counterattack. So again, against a starting against another team, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Phil Null even said that today when he was asked about the WM. He said, 
it's good to have that in the arsenal, but it's not necessarily something he's going to go with from the start. It's a system he's used in the past, but again, not something he might not go with with from the start. Now, he didn't say this part, but I would imagine, and I'm giving you my reasons for why I think that would be. I think while it gives you more numbers in the center of the field and it gives you more numbers potentially for the attack, it leaves a lot of spaces in behind that teams can exploit. So I think Phil Neville, a former defender, Phil Neville who's talked so often about being defensively sound, I don't think he'll go with that look because it can expose you defensively. So I wouldn't expect that to be to be a long-term starting look or I don't I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see the team start in that formation not even once this year. So second part of your question is if Intermind loses to Cincy, how does the outlook for the season change? So I'll refrain from answering this one for now because it depends on the on the match. It just depends on how the game develops and unfolds. If Inter Miami gets blown out, that's obviously much more different than if Inter Miami loses on a late goal 1-0. Obviously, it's still a loss to Cincinnati, but just depends on how things go. There could be controversial calls. So I'll, I'll save that. Obviously, Inter Miami needs a win. A draw against a team that's struggling is probably not a great result. It's not a great result, and you know it'll merit ins- closer inspection if that's the case. And a win should be what is expected of the team, especially, again, given all the talent that's on the roster, how expensive the roster is, Cincinnati struggles. But let's wait and see how it goes on Sunday, and then we can revisit that question. Next question comes from Luis, and it says, Question for El Primo, what's your favorite local beer? Well, El Primo is not here right now, so I cannot answer this question. We will hold on to it for next week because I know that that is a question that Steve would probably like to answer. So Steve loves the the fanfare. No, I'm just kidding. I'm speaking for Steve now, and I'm just trying to banter about since he's not he's not here to, to give me a little back and forth. But next question comes from Tank721. When do you think we'll see McCoon get some minutes? I know they list him as a center back, but I want to see what he could do as a center midfielder. I think he'll play this weekend. Because he was name-dropped last week by Phil Neville. So I imagine he did that with the idea that, hey, McCoon might play next week because we have three games in eight days. That's just what I... That's how I would interpret it. So I would expect him to play maybe for Ryan Shawcross on on Sunday against Cincinnati. Again, I don't think they want to push Shawcross to play 270 minutes in three games in eight days. That might be asking a lot of a defender who's older, who's had injury issues in the past, and who has not played 90 minutes regularly since before joining Inter Miami. So I think they'll try to be cautious with Ryan Shawcross, and I could see Christian McCoon playing as soon as this weekend. Next question from Joseph E. Should we believe the David Luiz rumor? So there's a rumor, a report that came out today saying there's interest in David Luiz from Inter Miami. I would take it with a grain of salt. Again, that's not information I have, but I would just take it with a grain of salt because... David Luiz would probably command a pretty penny. And if you've seen Leandro Gonzalez Pires' base salary for 2021, and we talked we touched on it a little bit earlier in the pod, if Leandro Gonzalez Pires is making that much, imagine how much David Luiz is going to want. So I think it's probably just an agent trying to publicly raise the value of his client by saying he's desired and this team in in MLS wants him, so that helps negotiating his next move with whichever club it is. So I, I think it's more in line the lines of that. I don't think he'll be coming to Inter Miami. I could be wrong. Again, it's not information that I have. It's just 
what I would think or how I read it, but they would also have to move somebody, be it Leandro Gonzalez Pires or or somebody else, in order to to have David Luis come in. So I, I don't believe it, but I would say, yeah, don't 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 start buying your David Luis into Miami jerseys just yet. Next question comes from Twitter. You mentioned Benjamin Pizarro and or Matuidi in your latest analysis video. I would argue that Gonzalo should be the one to be benched. The highest paid player on the team, but won't press or run into open space or into the box. And as a striker, has yet to score in the run of play. So look, I agree with most of what you said about his style of play. I think a big part of it is that he's not receiving the ball and he's frustrated in trying to get on the ball. I also think there is a desire issue there as well, you know, and, and um, selflessness issue there. But I think... He's still so talented that you keep him in the lineup. Again, the drop-off from him to be at Robbie Robinson or Julian Carranza is pretty steep. And I also don't think you want to send the message that you're going to bench your highest-paid player and one of your four captains just yet for uh, a younger option. I don't think that Phil Neville will give up on him just yet, all those things considered. But I will say that I do think Gonzalo Higuain could be benched this weekend. And again, not necessarily because it's a message from Phil Neville. I think it's just more along the lines of a veteran player getting rested after playing 180 minutes. I know Steve Brenner did not agree with that. He thought Iguain would start no matter what on Sunday, or he thinks Iguain will start on Sunday no matter what. But I think we could, could see it. I'm not saying we will see it. I'm saying I think we could see it, especially now that Carranza is ready to go. The next question comes from Lloyd Halebrun. I didn't watch because there was no TV in Palm Beach City. This is the second season in a row that Inter-Miami has failed to obtain local broadcasts in Palm Beach County for non-national broadcast games. What's their issue? Every other pro team in the area succeeds in obtaining Palm Beach County broadcasts. So I know that this has been an issue since, well, dating back to last year, like you said, Lloyd. I don't know why that is. I'm not sure why that is. I will look into it for you. That's my word to you. I will look into it and see why that is because I agree that that is a bit weird when you're the South Florida team and there has been talk about getting fans from the Tri-County area into the stadium and into the team and wanting to grow your footprint. Yeah, I I agree that that's a bit odd and I will look into it for you. I apologize that I haven't done so already because I know that's been something that's been a talking point since since last year, especially for fans up in Palm Beach County. And the last question comes from Jorge Medina, what new positions should Inter Miami be looking at or looking for in the next transfer window? New goalkeeper and left back coming in the summer, Marsman and Gibbs. But what else should we be looking for? So this is a complex question to answer because I think in order to bring in more pieces, like I said earlier on the show, I think you need to move pieces. And that has to come first so that not only you recuperate some money and have some more money and free up some space in the salary cap or in the salary budget, sorry. But you also have those open slots available on the roster. Now, as for what positions they should go after, I mean, I think they need a left winger. I, I mean, I know there's been good talks about Robbie Robinson. I, I agree that he's had some good moments, but I don't think he's a natural left winger. He's learning the position, and I don't know how much he can really give you there over the course of a full season. I'm not as sold on him as other people are. I, I know that I might be in the minority there, but I think they need a left winger. I think they need a true number 10. If they're not going to have Federico Higuain starting games regularly because of his age and his maybe his fitness levels, 
and Pizarro's not doing it, I think you need to find a number 10. But in, again, in order to find a number 10 of value that's going to make a big impact for you in this league, well, then you have to probably move one or Rodolfo Pizarro or Blaise Matuidi or, you know, even be it Gonzalo Higuain. I mean, again, the point is that they would have to free up a DP spot and get rid of one of those big contracts. Probably wouldn't be Gonzalo Higuain, but just, just to, to make the point. Now, I don't think, I'll, and I'll add this, I don't think they need to add a right back because when players are healthy, they, sh- you know, when Nicolas Figal is healthy, when Kelvin Leerdam gets healthy, they'll have cover there, two very capable players in that spot. But it's interesting, and I think it's notable and something that should be mentioned, that Inter-Miami traded away Dylan Nealis right before the start of the season, and they could surely use him right now. Now, again, I don't think they need to go out and sign a right back right now, but or another right back right now, but interesting that it worked out this way. They trade the right back that they could have used for depth, and now their depth at that position at this early juncture in the year is being tested. But that does it for the Q&A session. As for my final thought, my final thought is that Sunday is a very big game for Inter-Miami at this early point in the season because they're coming off a bad loss. Cincinnati's going to be opening up their stadium. It's going to be rocking in that in that venue. But if Inter-Miami loses to Cincinnati, who has been a punching bag since its entry into MLS, the alarm bells will be ringing nonstop. And I think Inter-Miami, from a psychological standpoint, an emotional standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, it needs to rally and get get these three points. Because anything less than that is going to raise even more eyebrows than we've already seen. But thank you so much for listening to this second pod this week. I never thought people would want to hear me and Steve talk once a week, let alone twice. So thank you so much for listening. I ask if you have not given us a review on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy the show, please do so. It helps us out tremendously. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you would like to see more of, what you think we could improve upon, and whether Steve El Primo Brenner needs to stop referencing Manchester United's 1992 team because I think he's mentioned it 196 times since the initiation of this pod. That's just a joke, only because Steve's not here and just had to have a little bit of banter before the end of the pod. But again, enjoy the match this weekend. We'll see if Inter-Miami can bounce back. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to all you guys again early next week.